good to be here. Um, I've just been back for about five weeks from Australia. I've heard varying um, comments on whether I sound Australian or not. And so I don't know, apparently I sounded like I was Australian before I even went to Australia. So it's kind of like a, eh, it's, it's, the, it's, it's probably the, the joys or, I don't know, disappointments of living in an international community. You kind of pick up an international accent. So I try very hard to sound South African because I, I love South Africa. But yeah, so maybe you'll hear it during this time, maybe you won't. So I just want to reiterate, I am born and bred in Durban. Okay, and I've only been living in Australia for about two and a half years. Um, before that, I was in Cape Town, as George said, working with YWAM for about eight years. And it's been good. It's been a good number of years working in ministry, very, probably not where I thought I was going to be, definitely not. I never thought I was going to go back to Australia. And so it's been a great journey of journeying in adventure with the Lord. And so tonight, I kind of have been. Um, over the last probably year and a half, I've been journeying in this thing about joy. And so I kind of wanted to share a little bit about that with you guys. I hope that's okay. But before I start, I just want to say it's good to be here. It's good to be home. That's, and I love the way the church is. Last time I was, we were facing that way, and this time we're facing this way, and it's good. So... <clears throat> I've often heard people comment to me that I just look like an incredibly serious person. That they, they'll say things to me like, you, you know, it would do you good if you smiled more. And I don't know, I didn't think I was a very serious person. But apparently when my concentration face is on, I look like I'm really angry all the time. You know, and when you're working in ministry and you have stuff on your shoulders, you concentrate a lot. So I think I just look perpetually angry all the time, which is not the truth. But I, so I started to readjust my thinking and thought, why? That's true. I don't know. How often do I smile? How often is there an exuberance expression of joy in my life? Am I somebody who laughs all the time? And I started to think about this. And I was listening to a podcast. I was going on a walk a little while ago, last year probably like a year ago, a little while ago. You know, it's South African terms. And um, I was listening to this podcast on joy and the joy of the Lord being our strength. And I thought to myself, what does that mean? What does it mean to have joy that strengthens you? What is the joy of the Lord being my strength actually about? And so I prayed this prayer, which in hindsight, I could have, I don't know if it was wise, but I said, God, would you teach me what choosing joy looks like. And you know, in order to live a lifestyle of choosing joy, sometimes, so I, sometimes what happens is we go through some trials, some circumstances, and we have to make a decision to choose joy. Now I'm talking from a place of, you know, we've all had struggles in our lives. Some people have gone through times that have been devastating. Some people have gone through seasons where, that have been very, very difficult. So please understand me, I'm not trying to say that mine have been worse than anybody else's. I think we've all had a measure that we've walked through in our life at one time or another. And it's during those moments where we have an opportunity to choose joy. Now there's a scripture in James 1. I don't know if it's up, I did, I did have it. It says this, dear brothers and sisters, 
When trouble of any kind comes your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be complete, needing nothing. Now, I realize I didn't take Sarah a watch. I can't really see it, so I should take some time. But I don't know about you guys, but I don't like that scripture. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't want to look at hardships and trials as an opportunity to choose joy. But when I look at other things in scripture, so often I see them talking about choosing joy in the midst of trials and circumstances. So I started to think about this. And through, and obviously it was, I'd ask God to show me what it means to choose joy. And so I ended up in some trials and tribulations. And I wouldn't change it because it actually helped me to develop, to, to start to wrestle with this idea of what does it mean to choose joy when we're going through hard times. And so, when we, were, um, when we were younger in youth group here, when back in the day when we were doing Madagascar missions and all of those different things, a few friends and I would talk about somehow we got onto the scripture of James 1. And we had this catchphrase that was, oh, I've just had such a bad day. And the other person would respond, James 1, James 1. And we were like, yeah, I guess I just need to choose joy. But... I didn't really understand how to. So it became this phrase that didn't really carry too much substance. Because I think we talk about choosing joy, and you see all these, I've seen cups with it, choose, today I will choose joy, and all those things. But I, I honestly had no idea how to do it. I didn't know what it meant to, to have that inner strength of joy within me. And so Romans 5 talks about Rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to, given to us. And so I, I just started to see these different scriptures which were talking about, it's not always gonna be easy but you get to choose joy. We, and in Brisbane, we're currently, as a Wawan base, we're talking about our language. And so often, we have these language things that are like, oh, I have to do this today, or I have to do that. And we're trying to change our language to say, guess what, I don't have to, I get to. It's a privilege. And so I get to choose joy. I don't have to choose joy. And that's a little bit of a hard thing, I think, for me to sometimes even wrestle with because I don't always want to choose joy. I was really excited about the, the word that you brought because I felt, because in the midst of, of all of these things, we go through these hardships, and the easiest thing for us to do is to wallow in self-pity. I know I do it. I'm not saying I don't. But we do, we wallow in self-pity. And I have a phrase for it, it's called navel-gazing. So we just go down like this, and this is it. Oh, this will never change, it's just the way it is. 
You know, and, and we just look down and we cannot see in front of us. All we see is the mountain, the situation. And I'm not trying to say that they are not big things because often they are big things. And so please understand me, I'm not trying to minimize what we walk through. But it's all about our perspective. It's all about what we are seeing. And are we seeing God in the midst of it? Because I believe that God can fill us abundant jo- with abundant joy. And, and I've been through, I've gone to meetings where people are just laughing. And you ask them why they're laughing and they can't tell you, they're just laughing. So I've seen that element of that. And I think it's incredible and I long for moments like that. But there's also something of strengthening and empowering that happens within us when we actually make a decision and choose. And we take the reins of our life and we are no longer a victim, but we are a victor. And we choose joy. And so, as I've been looking at this, I looked at what does joy actually mean? It's an exuberant expression of gladness, sometimes involving shouts. In some places, I saw that you can praise in joy, and that involves twirling and dancing. That is not me. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not a dancing twirler. Every so often I will give out a shout, but it's, you know, it's not always my personality style. But I get to choose how I'm going to do it. And so I'm a person who likes logic. I like to have a game plan and step by step. So as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, what are ways that we can just grasp onto what it means to choose joy? And the title of the message is The Art of living joyfully. And so I thought art, what does art stand for? And I came up with three words. It's to align and it's to remain in his truth, to trust in him, A-R-T. Okay, and so there's something so important about us aligning in him because when I align myself in him, what happens is, is, is that I say, okay, this is what's happening This is the situation. But I make a choice to focus my attention, not on here, but focus my attention on you and say that you are good no matter what. No matter whether I see it, no matter whether I feel it, no matter if I believe it, you are still good. Because the truth, who God is, is not based on what we see, what we feel. It's who he is, regardless of everything that is going on around us in the storms. And sometimes we forget that. And so there are moments where I've lived in life and I've been like, you know what, I don't feel it. I don't even feel God. I feel like he's totally abandoned me. But you know what the truth of the word says? I align myself with the truth of his word. And I say, his word says he's good. He says, I'm never alone. And that is where I place my trust. And that is a step in choosing joy. And while it may seem a little bit like, wait, how does that work? It's part of the process, I believe, of how we choose joy. I realize I'm using my hands a lot. It's because I don't have a microphone. Normally I have one of those. So sorry about that. But my alignment is putting my trust in him. So it's not, because sometimes these situations are so big that we're facing, the stress of life all of these sadnesses and sorrows, and I can look at them and look at me, or I can look at him. And how do I look at him? Is often by declaring who he is. You know, we live in a society today where we want the authentic and the real. 
If it's not real, I don't want it. And that is a good thing. Really, it is. But I think with it, it's my feelings tell me what is real. And that's not the truth. It's not the reality. It's not the kingdom reality of who he is. And so when I say, okay, you know what? I don't feel it, but I'm going to choose to put my faith in him. And sometimes there's this phrase that I've been milling over for a while. I used to hate it, and I refused to use this phrase because I was like, this is just terrible, and it's called fake it till you make it. I refused to fake it till I made it because I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be authentic. And so I was like, if I don't feel like God is with me, why would I declare he is with me? Well, that's because what the word says is true. So it is authentic. It's not faking it. I'm choosing to align myself with him. And so alignment is such an important part of choosing joy. Because I think sometimes it's a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving in declaration of who he is. And what I believe that that does is it shifts our perspective from being here to looking up there and it lifts our eyes to see from heaven's kingdom reality. And that is where the joy starts to flow and the hope starts to be released in us. And yes, I'm not saying that if you do it just once, it's like the quick Like, it's done. Sometimes you have to fight for it. Sometimes we forget that our battle is against, not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. You know, the enemy comes and he wants to steal from us. He wants to steal our joy and he's trying to steal our hope and he lies to us. He's got the same tactic that he had with Adam and Eve. He lied about who God was. So all of these situations and these storms happen around us and he, God's not real. God's not with you. God's not there. He has left you alone and his promises are not true. Am I the only one who ever hears things like that? I hear it a lot, especially, I mean, I think being in Australia is wonderful, but sometimes, you know, you're out there and you're doing this work and sometimes it's hard. And you think to yourself, I think I'm just gonna go home. I'm gonna give up, wait, what has God said? Who is he? And then I have to fight, and I have to say, I will declare. Declaration is an incredibly powerful tool that God has given us to shift our reality. It's a spiritual weapon, and it is powerful. And sometimes I'll stop by saying, God is good, Jesus, God is good. I don't believe it, but I'm just gonna pray it. But as I start to align my entire being with him, body, soul, heart, spirit, everything, I start to go, no, I, I'm choosing. I'm making a choice. I'm gonna keep declaring. I'm gonna keep praying out these scriptures. I'm gonna keep saying it until it becomes my heaven reality and I live it. And it's a step-by-step process. I'm not saying it's an instant thing. It's a journey towards growing in joy. Philippians 4 verse 4 to 9 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say Rejoice. Paul emphasizes, rejoice. It's like a commandment he is saying. I heard Bill Johnson say this one thing. He says, God will never command you to do something he is not empowering you to do. And so so that reality, when we have the Holy Spirit in us, we partner with him to rejoice. We're not doing it alone. It's not in our own strength. It's in the enabling empowerment of the Holy Spirit on our life. 
Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on. Finally, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever things are pure, whatever are lovely, whatever are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. He's telling us to meditate on the truth, whatever is true, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, meditate. So we shift our, ourselves from our navel-gazing self-pity and we meditate and we shift our perspective up to there and we say, okay, God is peace. I trust his peace. God is joy because, you know, he, the joy of the Lord is our strength and all of that. God is hope. There's hope in God. So I shift my thinking, and sometimes we have to train our minds to do that. Now, I'm not saying that we should ignore the pain. I'm not saying that we should ignore the things. I'm not talking about, um, what's the word I'm looking for, where you live in a false reality. That's not what I'm talking about. We acknowledge what we're going through, and we bring it to the cross. God did not create us to be robots. He has given us emotions and they are good. And we need to use, we, we can use those emotions to praise God in alignment with our spirits. But there's something, but when they're overwhelming us, we have to choose to go, God, this is how I feel. Instead of trying to deal with it on our, by ourselves, this is how I feel. I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. I feel like the walls are closing in on me. But I choose to trust you. So we're not ignoring our emotions or our feelings, but we're bringing them to the cross and surrender instead of wallowing down here in our self-pity. Self-pity is, is not a friend of ours. It does not change the situation. It makes us victims. But you are called to be a victor. He already has given you the victory, and that is where our hope lies. That's where our joy of salvation lies, is that through him, we already have the victory over these things. We align ourselves. There's something so powerful about choosing to praise in the midst of those moments. Hebrews 13 verse 15 says, therefore let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips and giving thanks to his name. A sacrifice of praise is not an easy thing to give, otherwise it wouldn't be called a sacrifice, you know? And so there's something about that offering which is, because God knows where we're at. He's not blind to our struggles or the pain or the hurt or the, 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 the things that we've gone through. He is with us. He is fighting for us. And in that moment when we offer that sacrifice of praise, there is something so beautiful because our praise is not determined on our situation. It's determined on who God is. And I know I keep saying that, but I feel like this is something God is wanting to, us to grasp a hold of. Paul and Silas, there's a story in Acts 16, which I keep going back to. And it's of Paul and Silas who are doing the most incredible things for God. They're seeing healings and like all of deliverance and all these things and something happens and they, this, they set this girl free and 
The school is a slave to her masters, and her masters get upset. And so it's in Acts 16, I encourage you guys to go read it. But what happens is in the midst of them seeing all these amazing things that God has done, suddenly they're beaten and tortured and thrown into a dungeon in a jail and shackled. Man, if that was me, my response would be like, what the heck is going on? Who are you, God, and where are you, God? And this is not acceptable. I've been doing all these things for you. We've seen all these amazing things happen, and suddenly what? We're sitting here in jail, jail, in chains, and I'm beaten and bruised. I think that's it. I'm done. Done Done with ministry. Done with worshiping. I'm done. Honestly, I think I may do that. So I'm glad that hasn't happened to me. But, you know, and, but Paul and Silas, their response is actually in the midst of that to offer a sacrifice of praise. And I don't know what words they sang, but they sang something about the goodness of God, I'm sure. And the prison, there was an earthquake. The shackles fell off. Now, their situation actually didn't change other than the shackles falling off. They were still in jail. But in the midst of that, there was a soldier. And they were able to witness to the glory of God, and he got saved. That joy that can be in us, that that strength that is in us, that walks us through every season, can be the thing that people see as a fruit and say, why are you so different? Can I have what you have? Because what I'm doing is not working. And it gives glory to God. And that's what it's about, right? It's about giving glory to God in the midst of everything that we're going through. And so I think it's so powerful. It's, it's not to ignore our situation, but it's to bring it to God and align ourselves with the truth that he is who he says he is. And what that does is changes our, our sight. There's the most amazing story in, um, I'm moving all around here. There's the most amazing story in 2 Kings, verse 6. And it's the story of Elisha. And I really enjoy stories. Um, I, I love stories. Movies, stories, all of that. I'm always looking for the hidden meanings behind them and the allegories, because they really speak to me. And so, there's this, this isn't an allegory, this is an actual story. But there's the story of the king of Syria. He wants to conquer Israel. And so he's having, it's in 2 Kings verse, chapter 6. So he is meeting with his, his advisors, constantly meeting with his advisors. And they're making plans to conquer Israel. But every time they come up with a plan, something happens and their plans become nothing. And he's like, I'm getting so irritated with this. Who is spying on me and reporting to the Israelites? I want to know. We have a spy in our camp because it's like everything I say is being reported back to them. And so his officials say, no, 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 it's not us. There's this prophet, and he hears God, and God tells him what we're about to do. So whatever we do won't work. So he says, okay, we're going to go find this prophet then, and we're just going to address that issue. And so they find out where he is, and they go to the city where the prophet Elisha is staying with his servant. And they send chariots and chariots of horses and men, and they camp out, the, camp out, and the prophet comes out in the morning with his servant, and they're like, oh my goodness, 
thousands of troops of Syrians standing there, well, standing, I don't know if they were standing or sleeping, but you get the idea, they're there, they're ready for this, they've come to attack one man. And his servant turns around and says to him, we're done for, we're just done for. This is gonna end badly. I don't know how we're gonna get out of this. We're gonna be destroyed. And Elisha, who understands, he has, I believe he had relationship with God. He's a prophet of the Most High. He turns him around and he says, don't you know, there are more with us than there are with them. And he just places his hands on his eyes and he says, God, open his eyes to see. And suddenly the servant's eyes are opened and he sees chariots of fire surrounding them. The heaven host of angels' army is with them. I think so often in life that once we, if, if we're just looking at the natural, we cannot see what God is doing in the spiritual. And so we have to have our, that perspective shift and that perspective change to have our eyes opened to seeing what God is doing. Even if our situation doesn't change in the media, we can understand that he is with us, that we are not alone, and that there is, he, his perspective should be our perspective. His eyes are ours. And so, seeing as he sees. It's a great story, I encourage you guys to read it. And I, I really believe the way that we get that perspective change is through intimacy and remaining in him. It's through remaining and trusting in him. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. That place of remaining in intimacy is so powerful. John 15, Jesus talks about intimacy with his disciples, and he says, Remain in me and I in you. And then he goes on to say, Remain in me and your joy will be full. There is something so powerful about remaining abiding in that place of intimacy with God, which can bring a strengthening deep within us that enables us to have hope, which releases joy. That's kind of how I think it works. I'm still on this journey of figuring it out too, so it's not like I have it fully, I don't fully have it, but I'm getting there and I'm growing in it. Because when I look in the word, joy, hope, faith, love, they're so intertwined and interlinked with one another. And it's so incredible when we can look at that and go, okay, there's something going on here. Maybe I just haven't seen it yet. And so remaining in him is so powerful because it, it really, I believe that it says, well, it says, remain in me and I knew that your joy would be full. In Psalms, it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. In Nehemiah, it says, and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. That joy brings a strength to us. It brings an enabling to us. It helps us move on. But it starts first with us aligning ourselves. That sacrifice of praise, of acknowledging who he, he is, who he says he is, no matter what the situation, no matter how I feel, that declaration of truth 
and that remaining in that place of intimacy with him, of relationship with him, because then we know we're never alone. We know we can be real with him. Yeah, God, I'm struggling. I'm in pain, I'm hurt. Why did this happen? But I know that you're good. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're a promise-keeping God, even when I don't see your promises, because that's who you say you are. And you will see his promises, because that's who he is. It's his faithfulness. I believe, as I was reflecting on this, I felt like there was a, a phrase that really impacted me and that I, I believe that was from God. And it goes something like this. I believe that joy is an inward substance of strength that changes the narrative of our stories and the stories of those around us because it changes our perspective. It enables us to see from God's perspectives, perspective and gives us the assurance of hope for a new day. It's not, about a state, it's not about a state of constant laughter. However, there is laughter in joy, but a desire to position ourselves in the Father's presence because in his presence is fullness of joy. It's in his presence is fullness of joy. And I believe that in that place, from that point, we start to see the things that we're thankful for and thankfulness is released in our hearts. I don't know if you guys were aware there was a, uh, maybe it was a couple years ago, there was this initiative of 100 Days of Thankfulness on Facebook. I don't know how many of you did it, but I swear people seemed happier in that. Like, because I think that when we start to recognize what we have and we're thankful for those things, it helps us to move forward through the hard times. It helps us to continue persevering through the hard times, and it grows joy in us. And so, yes, there is joy that comes through laughter. I'll never forget, um, we used to play this game in youth where you'd have a bunch of girls or guys separate, and they'd lie on the floor. I don't know how many of you ever did this, but one girl would put their head on another girl, and then another girl would put their head on that girl's stomach, and then another girl would put their head on that girl's stomach. And you'd make like a circle. Does anybody know where I'm going with this? And then the first person had to laugh. Now, obviously, it wasn't a, this is funny, I'm gonna laugh. It was a choice, right? You chose to laugh, so it would be ha, 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 ha. And while you do that, your belly moves. And then the next person does it for longer. I, th I swear, you get to the third person and everybody's hysterical. And sometimes it's that choice of actually going, you know what, I just need a laugh right now. I just need a laugh. I do struggle to choose to laugh, but I'm getting better at it. Sometimes I'll do it to make, like, be silly, but then everybody, me and myself and everybody around me just starts laughing. So I really believe there's something powerful about just choosing to laugh. The Bible says laughter is like medicine for the soul. There's something, and so that is, that's one way that I'm starting to think about a lot now. What does it mean just to choose to laugh at the lies that the enemy's trying to throw at me? Or to laugh at the circumstances? I don't mean it in like a weird way. Just positioning yourself and aligning yourself with God. And recognizing that joy is something that 
can bubble out of us, that can impact those around us. Because it does impact those around us. It truly does. You know, I was in this, just after I prayed that prayer, and I was like, Lord Jesus, would you show me what choosing joy really looks like? And so it was soon after that, it was like, I felt like everything went wrong in work. I had no people to work in the cafe. And then we had every, like my entire team was leaving and I had to fill like maybe 15 five-hour shifts each and all of these different things and just, you know, just felt like everything was going wrong. So I was like, wait, I just need to stop. I need to stop. And I need to, to be with God. I need to get his perspective on this. And so I actually went to Sue and Garnet. I phoned them and I said, can I come for the weekend, please? I just need to pray. I need to get God's perspective on this. I need to align myself with truth. And so I went. And it wasn't like I spent hours in prayer. I just said, God, this is how I'm feeling. I have no idea how you're going to bring people in because it seems like it's just going to be me. And we're, we're quite busy in the cafe. And so I was aware that that was pretty much impossible for me to do alone. And I was like, so what's going on? And I didn't really, honestly, I didn't really hear anything. But I said, okay, I don't know what's going on, but you know what I do know? Is you're faithful. And your promises are true and you're good. And so I make a choice to align myself with your truth. And that was that. I came back from the retreat and somebody looked at me and she said to me, wow, what happened to you this weekend? You look different. And I was like, Huh, interesting, I made a choice. I made a choice. And it's that place of choosing joy, of choosing to align myself. And yes, sometimes it's hard, and yes, sometimes we have to, it's one step at a time of growing in it. But I believe it's such a powerful thing that God has actually given us the ability to do. And he we don't do it alone. We do it with the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. It strengthens us as we grow deeper in intimacy with God. Knowing God is who he says he is, that enables us to shift our understanding to that of the kingdom. That maybe our circumstances won't change, but our attitudes and perspectives will as we continue to choose joy through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. It brings freedom to our lives and hope and I wanted to leave you with Romans 15, verse 13, and I actually felt like I wanted to pray it over you. So, and there's a few things that I felt like, just in closing, that for some of you, it's been hard to get a perspective shift, that things have been happening that have like rocked your world. Things have been happening where it's just, and it goes along with the word that you brought, so it's really good. But, and sometimes, and I didn't share this and I meant to share it earlier, but there's nothing, you know, I'm not talking about us faking joy. Be honest with where you're at. Be real with your emotions. Get people around you because we are created to live in community. We are created for relationships. And when we are weak, they can be strong for us. And so please understand, I'm not trying to say that it's just this one fix, this is how you fix it. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is that God brings us and surrounds us with people who can walk with us through these times when we're open and honest. And, we, we, and at the same time, we choose with them. They fight with us as God is fighting with us. 
Does that make sense? And so I felt like there were, maybe there's a few people who need a perspective shift. You're really struggling that self-pity has kind of wound its surrounding you and you're struggling to lift your head up. And that's when we can ask people to come and stand with us and pray for us. And so I would like to know if that is you, please feel free to come up, even if it's not self-pity, it's just things are struggling. Please, please feel free to come up and we'll have some prayer and pray with you for a perspective shift to happen but not, and for joy to be released. But then I also felt that there was a prayer that I actually wanted to pray over everybody if that would be okay. And so I wonder if you can stand. It's from Romans 15 verse 13. Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundance until you radiate with hope.